Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 193, Eschen Spiel Releases. We'd like to thank our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board games and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. Anthony, I hate to say it, but Essen is over. Oh no, that thing we didn't do. <laughs> I know. If only we were there, we would be able to go, aw. But nonetheless, it's over, which is still kind of aw, because Essen is kind of a cool thing. So if you got a chance to get out there, Essen Spiel is the premier, the uber kind of board game convention that happens in Germany each and every year at this time. And a lot of the great Euro games come out there, and all the companies are there. I'm sure you saw a lot of pictures on Facebook and Twitter. Everyone's having a great time. They are somewhere in an airport at some point heading back. So for this episode, we are going to talk about all the fun and especially the big releases from Eschenspiel that will eventually make its way across the pond over to your local game stores and hopefully at your table pretty soon. We've talked about a good number of these previously, but there are some new ones to add to the list and some you should keep an eye on. So a lot of good stuff happening in the board gaming universe, which is always a very good thing and obviously by the time this episode comes out it'll be halloween so a lot of good trick-or-treating going on hopefully a lot of great gaming going on so definitely get out those halloween games on a recent episode 190 we did our top 10 mystery games which is a very halloween type theme so if you haven't got a chance to listen to that yet definitely jump back to that because i think you'll have a lot of fun it's definitely a great time to play board games so enjoy the time Anthony, what are you enjoying during this holiday season? Taking my kids places. I don't. Oh, you said you said enjoying, not doing. Yes. <laughs> well, they're enjoying. Someone's enjoying it, right? Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, I remember one night. You get one night of Halloween stuff, and now I swear it's like half the week. So yeah, Halloween is like a week now. It's not a day anymore. Just so if you're having kids in the future, just keep that in mind. And. <laughs> Did you did you literally do when I was a kid? Is that how you, you started? <laughs> it comes up. It happens a lot, man. Just it's, I'm getting up there. It's happening. <laughs> yeah. So there is no gaming for me this week. It's Halloween's on a Wednesday. It's more normal gaming night. Sure. Sunday was another Halloween thing. It's more gaming. It's not happening. But I do have a couple games sitting here that I'm very excited to play. Hopefully, get to play in the next couple of weeks. A couple from the uh, SN list we're going to talk about, including Dice Settlers. I'm talking about today. Taya to walk in some point in the future we're going to talk about that so lots of stuff i'm excited to play but not not a lot of playing at the moment yeah it'd be nice if actually halloween incorporated more board gaming things like you just go to someone's house and they'd like hey here's a pick up and deliver for you because you're basically picking up and delivering candy but here's something for you in your bag and it's you know twilight imperium 4 or something like that that would be nice just saying <laughs> So if just you, if, have a pallet of them in the back it's fine yeah you know if if you happen to be you know Asmodee and just let us know where your house is so we can just just drop by you know with Anthony's kids and a bunch of costumes so maybe pick up some extra games I think the funniest thing was 
one time Steve Jackson Games had a Munchkin Halloween pack, which was literally one promo card, 12 of them. And I was like, oh, I, I like Munchkin. I would like to have that card in my collection, but it cost something like $15 to $20 for 12 or 15 of these cards. And I guess the idea is you're supposed to give them out during Halloween, which I think most kids would be very confused about. And obviously most gamers would be very angry about. So I did not pick that up. But I think to my <laughs> memory, that's the only time I've actually seen a board game related Halloween kind of giveaway. But it's not to say that uh, near future there couldn't be something like that. You never know. Maybe Essen will fall on Halloween one of these years and something will happen. I think Welcome to is putting up a Kickstarter this week uh, that has a Halloween theme to it. You have to pay for it. It's not free, but <laughs> that's a thing. <laughs> That's a thing. Well, Anthony, we have a thing that's going on, too. Uh, why don't you tell everyone about our contest and let them know where we're at? Yeah, guys. So whether or not you can enter this when you listen to this depends on when we post this episode. <laughs> uh, episodes go up somewhere between Wednesday evening and Thursday morning. This ep- this contest does end Wednesday night at 1159. So in the middle Ooh. of the Halloween spookiness. If you've already entered, though, thank you. We have over 200 entries, probably get up over 250 towards 300 by the end of this, which is amazing. It's exactly what I was looking for. It's a little bit more than what I was looking for. So tons of data here. We're going to build an awesome list of the listeners' top games out of it. Uh, if you did that, congratulations, you are entered to win a game. And I don't know which games yet because we don't have our list. But once we have the list, uh, we'll post that up and we'll tell everybody who wins. So keep your eye on that. And we'll probably try to have another contest by the end of the year too maybe something a little bit easier to enter for those people who didn't have uh didn't want to copy paste all their top 20 games into the into the box there (laughs) yeah this is actually my favorite contest because i'm always really interested in what what everyone loves to play and what their top game is we're always talking about our top games and i really want to know what everyone else's top games are so really excited to see this list coming through hopefully we can get this episode out to you as quickly as possible so as soon as you hear this do not wait Go on there, let us know, and if by chance you hear this a little late and the contest is over, please still let us know anyway. We would love to know about your favorite games. It helps us put out episodes that are great for you and great for everyone else. So don't forget Facebook, Twitter, BoardGamersAnonymous.com, our guild on Board Game Geek. You can also post all that information all over the place there, not to mention everywhere that board gaming has been talked about. So Please hit us up. Let us know. It makes a big difference. Obviously, we are on all of the different podcast applications. So if you are listening to us on one of those kind of places, let us know. Drop us a review. Drop us some stars. We appreciate that. Obviously, you can listen to us on YouTube and drop that information there. So a lot of places to get in contact with us. Please do. It's a lot of fun. But Anthony, now we're going to get on to a little bit of the hardest stuff here. I know you and I have had a little ongoing contest of our own. Let's talk about our little Kickstarter face-off here. Yeah, so these didn't change much from last week. So I I guess we kind of forgot the standard curve of a Kickstarter campaign where (laughs) 80% is backed in the first 24 hours. Nothing happens for 20 days. And then the other 20% is in the last 24 hours. So (laughs) Cloudspire is still sitting at 482,000, a little bit higher than last week. And okay. Spirit Island is sitting at 587,000. Wow. That's incredible. So, yeah, that one's gone up a little bit more than Cloudspire, but honestly, neither of these has really moved very much. So, oh, so you were um, worried. I mean, way to go, way to go, the spirits. It must be one of those spirits that interacts with Kickstarter right? in some special way. 
Yeah, for sure. It, neither one of them has dropped, and that's the important part. When you see that mid-campaign, that's never good. So we'll check back mid-November, I think. Maybe we'll we'll wait a couple of weeks to do this again. But I think we'll uh, we'll get a good sense of which one comes out on top by the uh, towards the end of the campaigns. Absolutely. So we'll keep you up to date on that and let you know how we are doing with that upcoming campaign. So a lot of fun there on Kickstarter, but that's not the end. Anthony, with Essen just recently wrapping up, I know we're going to put it to bed at the end of the episode, but probably our favorite convention these days happens to be PAX Unplugged. I'm really getting excited about that. You know, once Essen kind of, it's kind of like where Halloween is just about to hit, but nonetheless, Christmas decorations ends up in the store. So it's like Essen's just about to happen, but already everyone's talking about PAX and that's being posted everywhere. That's where my mind's going these days, thinking about PAX. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's only a month away as of today. Like the day we're recording this, one month. So I'm very, very excited about that. It is the last con of the year for us. We don't get to do Essen. It's too far. Uh, We don't do BGG. It's too far. (laughs) We're doing Essen, which is not too far. Very excited. My favorite con last year. Um, Lots of good gaming, lots of good friends in the area. So I'm excited for that. Plus, they're going to have a ton of the Essen releases, which is awesome because again we don't get to go to germany so we get to hopefully track down some of the stuff we're going to talk about later today on this episode in philly which would be much better (laughs) than like tracking it down online absolutely and we'll have more information next week about what we'll be doing at pax and where you might be able to have a chance to meet up with us all right anthony so that's what's going on with bga let's get on to the rest of the episode what are our listeners talking about what's our question of the week All right. I asked everybody, because it is Cult of the New time, of course, with Essen um, just wrapping up. I asked everybody's favorite game that it's at least 20 years old. So what old games do you like from pre-hobby board game renaissance, I should say? So lots of good answers here. Some of them to be expected, of course. Ed says Acquire. Uh, William says Can't Stop. Chris says Dungeons and Dragons. Scott says Give Me the Brain. I don't don't (laughs) know what that is, but it's his highest rated game on BGG that's older than 20 years, which is a fair way to do it. Wow. Um, so he's not a zombie. No, he's not. He just throws that out. He answers that on everything on Facebook. Give okay. me the brain. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jay says a tie between Scotland Yard and Survive. Um, some other answers here. We have Merchants of Venus, Robo Rally, uh, For Sale, Dark Tower, which is getting a, a revamp and a re- new version um, in the next couple of years rivets stratego which is one of my favorites still even though even though there's so many better versions of that and then avalon hill civilization um which is popped up here and some people kind of squeeze in a few hobby games twilight imperium is now over 20 years old so wow. taking it away with that one yeah i know it's weird right <laughs> settlers of Catan is 23 years old um so yeah lots and lots of games here. el grande i think is just about 20 years old now too so lots of good games here. Like I said, I love Stratego. Those, honestly, it's really the games I played as a kid. You know, the, the ones I played obsessively as a kid, like Stratego, that kind of make the list for me. Yeah, for me, and I think this was mentioned previously, probably the game that takes me back to my childhood would be Dark Tower. Just this idea of this giant piece of molded dark plastic that had all of these kind of really cool sound effects. And it was at the time when 
you had all of these kind of electronic games and they were really games. So like, so it was a very innovative time for board gaming about 20 or some odd years ago. So I'm really excited that Restoration Games are bringing a lot of these games back, but it was a really good time for gaming back then. And it's still to this day is doing a great job kind of innovating in the industry. New things are coming out all the time. So really, really excited. Yeah, for sure. All right. So that's our question of the week. Let's get on to the games that really, really want to get to. What's your acquisition disorder? All right. So this is a game that I was attracted to because of the meeples. Meeples look awesome. It's called Skulk Hollow. Uh, It is on Kickstarter right now, and it is an asymmetrical two-player game. So think Star Wars Rebellion, War of the Ring, but in a much smaller box. Uh, It's designed by Keith Matishka. It's the guy behind Role Player. Um, (laughs) Eduardo Baroff's on there, as well as Dustin Fausdale worked on the game together, and it's being published by uh, Pencil First Games. And it is a, as I said, it's a two-player asymmetrical game. And the idea here is you have the Foxen, which is one player. It's a kingdom of fox creatures, and you have several heroes that you're going to be putting out there, versus these giant guardians. So uh, the the guardian player is going to have one guardian when they play, and they come with these big, giant guardian boards in addition to the, the regular game board and there are multiples that come with the game so kind of a, a way to kind of choose between how you're going to play depending on you know each individual game that you play actions are going to take place on both the board and the guardian so it's not just a board type of thing but there's multiple things going on here dual dual purpose cards which is always awesome lots of great stuff going on with that i I love the look of this. The artwork is fantastic. It's very cool looking, you know, definitely along the lines of the other games that both of these designers and publishers have put out in the past. And I just, I'm a, I'm a sucker for the two player asymmetrical games, even though I have a heck of a time getting them to the table. This one's only 45 minutes and it has a lot of different mechanics and ideas, and it looks extremely asymmetrical in terms of how it kind of maps out. I love the different looks of these different guardians. Like you have a giant tiger creature and this bird. You have a clear Cthulhu type of thing. And it's all kind of pulled together in this very nice, neat package. So I'm hoping it's something along the lines of like, hey, you don't have time for these other giant asymmetrical two-player games, which are, you know, epic experiences. Here's something that replicates kind of an epic experience in a shorter time frame. Haven't had a chance to play it, obviously, but very excited to give it a shot. Hopefully, maybe at a con, maybe at PAX, um, get a chance to try this. Uh, But definitely on my radar for sure. That is Skulk Hollow. Very cool. Yeah, the meeples here are great. And I guess it's interesting to see how we're looking at more of this kind of anthropomorphic artwork where animals are kind of taking over these kind of like warrior leadership fantasy roles and it does remind me a lot of root to be honest with you so hopefully it lives up to root but uh it looks like a really cool game definitely should check that out on uh, kickstarter yeah yeah no the root thing for sure i think even patrick leader had a quote somewhere on the page like the guy behind vast and the publisher of of i'm gonna get you (laughs) yeah (laughs) It's like, hey, you're the guy who does these types of games. What do you think? He's like, it's great. So that that's what kind of caught me. It's like, oh, the asymmetry guy likes it. That's a good sign. Um, so, so yeah, lo- loving the look of this one. That's when next time I see uh, Patrick Leader, I'm gonna be like, hey, asymmetry guy, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> like, that's your name now. You must live by that role. 
We published it. It was heard. That's right. It must be done. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure publishers love to be giving out, you know, little nicknames that they have to now live with. So, yeah. As long as he's not planning on publishing a non-asymmetrical <laughs> game, he's fine. It's good. Well, if you're going to be a thing, that's really a cool thing to be. So not too bad as far as that's concerned. All right. That's really, really great. All right. So a game that uh, had a little bit of buzz in Essen. It's not out yet, but it will be out pretty soon, is Kingdom Defenders. Now, Kingdom Defenders sounds like, once again, you're kind of like hack and slash armies kind of fighting each other out. And from the looks of it, the artwork, which is pretty fantastic, I recommend going to check out the online PDF rulebook. So what you're going to look at is kind of like these Cthulhu-esque creatures coming out of the sea, attacking humanity, moving across a sandstorm area to conquer it. And you are one of these four different human kingdoms trying to fight back and protect your colonies out here. But the game is not a hack and slash. It's not a dudes on the map. It's a Euro game. So great artwork right off the start. And you are going to take actions in order to, once again, like every good Euro game, utilize your economy to the best way possible in order to knock out the evil Cthulhu demons. Because that's the only way to knock out Cthulhu math. So basically what you're going to be doing is moving around the board, utilizing different worker placement actions in order to get resources from different buildings. And then once those resources kind of max out, then you'll be able to take on the adventure deck and actually go on adventure, trade resources with other kingdoms, utilize special reward tiles and character tiles. They're going to give you extra benefits, add to your kind of like cast of characters while the horde continues to advance on your particular kingdom. It's a really kind of fun, light, colorful game, but it has some pretty heavy Euro elements to it. So definitely recommend checking this one out if it plays as good as it looks and the rule book is up so you can check out all those differences there. Definitely something to take a look at. Highly recommend it. It is Kingdom Defenders. All right, Anthony, so that's everything for Acquisition Disorders. Now, the games that are actually hitting our table this past week or so, what do you got up for us? All right, first game on the list is one of the games up on the Geek Buzz list for Essen. Uh, got a chance to play this. It was a Kickstarter, so it reached the States a little earlier than some of the rest. That's Dice Settlers, designed by David Turchi. And David is... If his name sounds familiar, he has worked on a lot of other games we talked about, like Anachrony, the upcoming Cerebria. He does solo modes for a lot of games, including another game I'll talk about in a week or two, Teotihuacan. So he is in a lot of stuff right now. Fantastic mind for solo gaming. And this is one of his per, like solo designs that he's done by himself. So no co-designer on this game. The idea of this game is that you are bag building with dice. So it's... Again, similar to a deck builder or a bag builder like Orleans, where you will be getting new dice throughout the game. They go into your bag. You draw a certain number on your turn. You roll them. You do stuff with them. That's it. And the the real magic of the game is trying to, A, figure out which kind of dice you want, because there are several different types of dice to choose from, and each of them have different faces. Your player mat will show you what all the faces are, so you can make decisions about which dice you want. Some of the actions in the game are only on certain dice. Usually, especially like the less common actions are only on one dice, two faces, and then one other die, maybe one face. So if you want to do that action a lot, you need to get those dice. The other tricky thing about the game 
is kind of the race for different victory paths. So the game can end in several different ways. You can end by completing all the explorations and putting out all the tiles to build the map. You can win by clearing out the victory point pool. So you start the game with a certain number of victory point tokens in the middle of the board uh, based on the number of players. If those go away, then the game will soon end. You can finish it by buying up all of the dice. So if you run out of dice, then you will also end the game. So a lot of different ways you can kind of wrap things up. And it always seems like two thirds of the way through the game, you're like, which of these is actually going to come first? And then they kind of all get pretty close at the same time. It's a very interesting way that kind of works because everybody can have a different strategy. One person could be going for dice. Another person could be going for exploration. Another person could be going to get their houses out, which gets you a lot of points at the end. A lot of different stuff you can kind of try to manipulate. And the dice manipulation itself is really cool. So the I'm not going to list every face of the die. I'm not going to list every action here because there's just a lot of stuff you can do. But suffice it to say, there are resource icons on the dice and there are hats. And the hats let you re-roll or set your dice to a specific uh, face that you want. The resource icons, you can either use those in a resource action to get resources, which you can use for other various things, or you can spend that die and draw more dice from your bag or set a die to whatever face you want. So you might only be able to draw four or five dice on your turn, but if you roll a bunch of resources and you can control this by getting the dice that have resources on them, um, you can keep pulling dice out of your bag until you run out of those and then kind of figure out how you want to use them. The key to all this though, is that you only get two actions per round. So if you have five different actions worth of dice up there, you only get to pick two of them. So it doesn't really help you have a ton of dice, except that you now have options. It gives you a bunch more options, especially if there's re-rolls and resetting and all sorts of stuff you can do. The uh, randomness is really, really offset by this, but it's still there. So there will still be rounds where you roll like eight dice and none of them do what you want them to do. And that sucks, but that's a dice game. So (laughs) if you don't like that, it's a dice game. It's got dice in the name and you should know that. The other really cool part of the game is kind of the area control mechanisms of it. So you are building out a map and you have tents that you're going to put out. So when you explore, you get to put a tent out. Other people next to you can also put a tent out and you can put another tent out. It's very basic control presence rules. So if you have the most tents, you have control. If you have control, the next person with the most tents has presence and they can score accordingly based on the tiles. Each of those tiles also has bonuses and extra stuff you can do. So some of them have, you know, when you place the tile, you get an extra die or some resource. Other ones that you give take an extra turn right away. Other ones still have like factory actions where if you take a tent off, you could take an action, which is very useful later in the game. There are some dice that have guns on them and you can spend your gun dice as an action to replace other people's tents with your own. And if you have enough tents on a tile, you can take a free action and replace them with a house. Houses can never be removed. They're permanent control. There's only one house per tile. And if you get all five houses out, you not only get a ton of points, but it triggers, it's an end game trigger. So it's a pretty decent area control mechanism. You're trying to like manage all these things on the board. It can slip away from you relatively quickly. We've noticed like if one person gets in a corner by themselves and just starts going off to the side where nobody has to be next to them, they can do a lot of things without anybody. It really requires people to kind of manage each other's space like any good area control game. If 
two people are off in the side fighting over space and one person's off doing their own thing. And then a fourth person is like, cool, I'm just going to take all these tiles and score a bunch of points. Then they're going to win. And <laughs> it's not um, that third person who's not doing what they're supposed to be doing. It, it's kind of on them. I, you know, that's never fun. But at the same time, that's like every area control game. So, you know, take it as, as you will. I really enjoyed this. It is relatively quick once you learn the rules. Despite the fact that the ending can kind of sneak up on you quickly, there's a lot of game to it. Uh, and for a 4X game that plays in less than an hour and a half, two hours, it's pretty meaty. There's a lot of solid decisions to be made here. You know, I like pool building. I like deck building. You throw dice in there and you make them malleable enough that you can do different things with them. Um, and feel like you have decisions at all times that's great i love that you just get to do fun cool stuff and the solo mode of this game is also really solid as one might imagine so i give uh dice settlers a buy definitely check this game out it is a really solid entry into this kind of category of bag building and um i think it's really good one thing you should keep in mind though is that You'll see a lot of pictures online of some really nice components, um, some of the realistic resources from Stonemeyer, um, little plastic houses and huts. Those are the Kickstarter resources. I don't know exactly what the final components look like. Um, the copy I've been playing with didn't have the punch boards in there, but the they they are nice quality punch board. Like it's not you're not getting cheap little poor quality cardboard shits, but I'm fairly certain the retail version is cardboard. So something to keep in mind if you're looking at pictures and like, that's amazing. That's probably not what you're getting, but it is um, the gameplay itself is really solid. I was very pleasantly surprised and uh, looking forward to playing this one more. So that is so the upgraded components. Just just kind of a little bit of a bling, not necessarily needed for the game or doesn't make the game less without it. No, actually, like the resources are great. Um, the bag actually said Stonemeyer realistic resources so they licensed it from sure. stonemeyer games uh so if you have any of those okay. that's what these are very nice very solid very good stuff there aren't that many of them though um we've never run out because you don't really use resources that much in the game the dice they're more valuable on the dice usually but they're there the tents are nice but some of them are really hard to pick up uh because they're all like angled up so like the red ones are little teepees and they are impossible they are just the worst so I, it comes with cubes for those. I have the bag of cubes. I'm tempted to put the cubes back in. I don't love the tents. And the black and purple tents are huge. So they take up a lot of space on the tiles. Not sure what I think about any of that, but all the rest of the upgrades are nice. And, you know, I think it's it's the resources in particular. People are going to be like, wait a second. <laughs> where's the where's my nice stuff? These are cardboard. But yeah, it's all bling. You don't need any of it. All right, so the game that I was able to get to the table this week is Cold Wallet. It's not just Cold Wallet, it is actually a wallet. And basically, it's one of these kind of little puffy Velcro wallets that you had maybe as a kid, and basically it's coming back as a game component. So the entire game fits into this wallet, so you don't need the box, you don't need the insert, and it's a party game. So basically what you're going to be doing is you're going to be trying to get away from the cops because they busted into your mob party. The mob boss has left left behind his wallet, and then you are going to rummage through the wallet trying to get a fake ID and as much money as you can in order to win the game. So basically at the start of the game, you are going to get seven cards. There's two special ability cards and five regular cards, and those cards can be currency, jewelry, credit cards, IDs, 
And what you're trying to do is you're trying to end up with an ID and less than $500 made up of no more than two currencies. So you don't want to look too suspicious because why would you have all these different currencies? Why would you have so much money? Why would you have multiple IDs? So basically, you're trying to look for the right kind of set collection by the time the round comes to an end in order to score. Now, if the round comes to an end and your fake ID is showing a specific setup as far as what you need to collect in order to be innocent, then you're going to be able to go into one of these zipper components in the wallet, randomly take out victory points, and basically, wash, rinse, repeat, you'll play this three different times. It plays better at the larger player count than the smaller player count. It plays two to seven, but I would never play this game less than four. There are a lot of take that cards. So basically, you might have the police officer and you have to have certain conditions and you're trying throughout the game to get cards, give up cards, purchase IDs, and then someone throws an attack card against you, which kind of messes you up. So you're trying to stay somewhat legitimate before the scoring comes around to the end. The game itself is pretty random. The cards you get are random. How you get attacked is random. The victory points, what they're worth based upon that particular token are random. So... It's kind of one of those random party games. It's really cool and a really interesting novelty that the wallet is actually a wallet that you can use as far as the game's concerned. I really wouldn't use it as a regular wallet unless you're a little kid and that probably is a big thing for you. So I'm going to give wallet a dodge just because the gimmick of it isn't enough to kind of to overcome the kind of super randomness of the game. I mean, if you're not playing with points and you're just kind of like trying to collect things, oops, everything's up in the air and you try to collect things, give up, everything's up in the air. Maybe that works for you. But otherwise, while well, it's just not just a dodge, actually. All right. So the next game is Age of Thieves. Now, this is a really interesting game. Now, if you've ever played one of those dungeon crawl games where there's always like these monsters or guards kind of lurking about and then it's all about initiatives to see if you can kind of like get through hack and slash or maybe sneak through. Basically, what you're looking at here is kind of a stealth version of that. So the guards are protecting the emperor's jewel and you have to sneak in there, grab the jewel before anyone else does and get out of the city before the guards capture you. Now, at the beginning of the round, there's going to be kind of this global effect card, which is going to drop other jewels throughout the game. It's going to set the initiative for the guards, and it's basically going to kind of like put everything into play. Then when it comes to your specific turn, everyone is going to have a shield, and behind that shield, you'll have your special player power and your unique character. And I should mention the artwork here is fantastic. So you have that character, this special ability, it's going to give you a little kind of bonus in the game, and then you're going to have these action cards. Now, they'll typically be connected to a special ability or a special item in the game, and then you're going to decide which cards you're going to play, you're going to put them face down, and then you're going to use these little activation cubes, which is really the kind of like a really interesting thing about the game, because you're going to be given these 10 cubes, and then you are going to decide which initiative these cards are going to take place. So the more cubes you put on a card, then the higher initiative that card activates. So the cards will activate at some point, which was determined at the beginning of the round. You are going to make that decision what actions you want to take when. So you might want to avoid guards really early on, or you might wait until they move past you. And obviously, 
the more cards that you play, the less cubes you have to kind of allocate to those cards. So your actions are going to be happening much, much later. Obviously, ideally, you want your actions to happen early so you can be the thief that gets the jewel and gets out of the kingdom. Once you get the jewel, the alarms go off and then everything goes to heck. And there's one way to get out. Everyone's gunning for you, not to mention the guards themselves. They have a little more help. And basically, it's, you know, an action point allowance game. Everyone's taking actions at the same time. There's some variable player powers. It's a kind of interesting fantasy miniatures game. It's really nicely done. I would say I give this game a play. It's just kind of like interesting for the sense of like enjoying the kind of stealth component. If you're not a hack and slash fan as far as those dungeon crawls are going, utilizing the thief mechanic is pretty interesting. The board is very ornate. So you definitely have to have good lighting conditions in order to play this game because every spot you move to is kind of like a little dot. You're just looking at the whole city board. But the miniatures are very nice for a board game. As I mentioned, the artwork is very nice. You can play this with a large number of people, and I highly recommend doing so because if you play with a lower player count, it's just not as fun when you're trying to get out of the city. It plays up to four. I recommend only playing at four because the city is so vast that if you're not doing that, you're really not enjoying the game to the best of its ability. And that's Age of Thieves. That sounds good. I mean, I was surprised. I honestly, like when I saw it at first, I was not super impressed and I couldn't tell. I have this weird thing where I'm like, we see almost every game that comes out. So if it's like a three or four year old game and I've never heard of it, I'm like, I don't know. So um, this one definitely seemed to have flown under the radar. It's good to hear that it's worth playing. Yeah, the only downside to the game is that the cards that you get tend to be pretty random as far as what special abilities and actions you could take. And obviously the global effects are a little random because that's going to determine what that round is going to look like. And then you're going to roll a die to determine the initiative of the guards. But I I guess that felt like it really played into the game because you don't know when the guards are going to kind of move around and you don't know necessarily what equipment's going to be available. So... It really fits kind of a very, very small niche, but it does it really well. All right, Anthony, so that's everything that's hitting on the table with BGA. Let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are taking a look at Eschenspiel's 2018 releases. Anthony and I have been pouring over this list over the last couple of weeks. Very envious of everyone who's gotten a chance to check these games out themselves. We want to tell you about the big hits of the convention so that you know what to get to the table. Anthony, you've been pouring over this list what do you think about this year's Essenspiel 2018? Ah, uh, there's so many games. <laughs> like, I feel like we go through the Gen Con list and I could pull out maybe 30, 40, where I'm like, oh, I want to check these out, you know, maybe bring home half of those. And that's a lot. That's a ton of games, right? That's, you know, most people listening to this are like, you're crazy. But I look at the Essen list and it's over a thousand games. Easy. And we've covered a bunch of them, not all of them, not even close, but of the new games, I don't know, there's dozens here that I'm interested in. So I don't think it's realistic to go through and talk about every single game that you or I are interested in. And I think we've already talked about a lot of them too in our acquisition disorders. So rather than that, we're just going to borrow uh, Board Game Geek's Geek Buzz list and just kind of take you down the, the top handful of games out of that giant list. All right, Anthony, so it is quite a big list, and all these games definitely want to get to the table at some point, hopefully. So why don't you take us through? 
All right, so I'm just gonna rattle some of these off. Um, we'll talk about a few of them. Some of them we've already not only talked about, but also reviewed. So we might kind of skim over those or refer you back to those episodes. But others of these are new or new to us, and we are very excited to try them out. Starting here towards the uh, bottom end of the 20s is the the newest from Freeman Freeze, Futuropia, which of course starts with an F. And uh, I don't know, it's Freeman Freeze, it's in a green box, it's worth trying, right? That as enough? long as it has an F to the game, we're fine. Yeah, it's all you need. Um, <laughs> we've got Carpe Diem, which I talked about last week, Between Two Castles, which I talked about two weeks ago. Um, they're both on here. Another one that I'm actually very excited about is, and you know, it's me and my little pieces, is a Ryle. This is a game of polyominoes, and uh, uh, it looks to be... Yeah, no, it looks good. Uh, okay. <laughs> um it's from mebo which is not a company that you see a lot of games from over here so i don't know who publishes for them in the u.s but i'm excited to um give this one a go very colorful very crazy looking uh it, it's just but even with all the people dancing on the cover they're doing it with the tetris pieces so you know you know it's worth it for me <laughs> treasure island is another one that i've had our eyes on here for a little while now this is a kind of a semi-cooperative kind of take on bluffing exploration there's storytelling elements to the game and it has Vincent Dutrois art so this beautiful cover uh finally released so people could get a chance to play it I I've only seen a demo at Gen Con so I'm very excited to give this one a go Brass Lancashire is up there on the list of course we've talked about that a few weeks ago The River this is the new Days of Wonder game they released it there why not here I want it too that's that's all I have to say about it. I don't know. Um, I know it has a lot of buzz right now. I haven't seen a lot of play reports yet. And uh, so don't really have a lot to say in terms of mechanics, but I'm very excited to give it a go because it's Days of Wonder, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Terraforming Mars Colonies. We've talked about this a little bit and it should be at PAX. So we will have copies in about a month and we will tell you all about it because whenever I get a new one of these, I play it almost immediately. And it finally um, looks like a real expansion, like something different, not just yeah. more cards or a different board side. Yeah, that's important because it's just I have all the other stuff. I throw it all in. I enjoy it, but it's still just more of the same. Yeah. You know, uh, Ray Colt. This is the newest Uwe Rosenberg game, and he released like, I don't know, four or five things this year. Uh, lots of expansions, but this is the the new big game from him. And it is beautiful cover, so not the typical kind of frumpy looking, uh, you know, Euro design work. Um, very beautiful cover. So yeah, this is a this is one I'm very much looking forward to. I think Renegade actually picked this one up for the states. So uh, not sure when they're going to release it here. It was a Frosted Games release in Europe, so um, not available over here just yet. But hopefully, we get a chance to at least see it at uh, at PAX. Railroad Inc. is on here a couple times. The blue edition, by the way, is ranked higher than the red edition, if you're keeping score. Uh, I know I was. <laughs> Go blue. I was not. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, Detective, a modern crime board game. I love this game. Gave it very high scores. I've talked about it at length on both podcasts now, so definitely worth checking that one out. Welcome to, we just reviewed this recently as well. It has a Kickstarter here this week, actually, so you can check that out. I think Halloween-themed stuff coming. Fuji. Fuji is a new game from Wolfgang Warsh, who had, I don't know, a dozen games nominated for different awards at the 
the uh, Spiel des Jahres over the summer. Uh, it's a cooperative dice rolling game um, about adventuring you up to see Mount Fuji in Japan. So I'm actually very excited about this one. I don't know much more about it, but I'm looking forward to giving it a go when it inevitably makes it over here. Shadows Amsterdam is uh, this game was buzzed a lot. It's kind of a cooperative storytelling type of game. Uh, it was actually on the BGG store for a little bit. I think it's sold out now. But uh, so there are some copies floating around here in the States. Uh, Barrage, uh, this is on Kickstarter right now, actually, from Cranio Creations. And it is, uh, I talked about it last week, actually. So I can go back to last week's episode and you can hear all about why I love it so much. Or at least the idea of it. I haven't played it yet. Underwater Cities is the new uh, game from Vladimir Suchi. Uh, I talked about this a couple weeks ago as well. And this is a uh, big, sprawling, kind of underwater civilization-building game. So I'm very excited about this. I think a few copies are being exported um, after the con. So I'm hoping I can land a copy of this one, because it definitely seems right up my alley. But it is uh, um, definitely a hot one coming out of the con. The Seven Wonders expansion, Armada, which I had a chance to play a little bit at Origins. Not the full game, but enough of it to get a feel pretty cool stuff where you're moving up these different you know armada tracks and getting bonus points based on the types of cards you play and trying to chain stuff together i really liked it uh new military actions too which is kind of cool all right so this is the fourth of seven right is that the plan he wanted seven of these yeah, things give or take a civilization we'll, we'll we'll see how it works out yeah they, they keep coming every time you think that he's done like Babel was the last one that was two or three years ago and then they're like no 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 we got more I'm excited about this. Obviously, I'm a big Seven Wonders fan. I saw some of the Facebook pictures. They really rolled this out, literally. Like there was a kind of fake cardboard kind of ship that they were pulling their people on. And it just might be nice to bring the game back to the table. Yeah, I think so. I honestly think so. It was a really fun expansion. Um, next one up here is Dice Settlers, which I just talked about today and is awesome. So go check that one out. Architects of the West Kingdom. This is a new game or a new series of games from the uh, designers behind Explorers of the North Sea and that whole trilogy of games. And it is uh, seems quite a bit different. I mean, there's a lot of different mechanics going on here that are not in those other games. It seems a little bit heavier, a little bit more in involved. We shall see. It looks like Renegade kind of has the, uh, the inside track on this one since they published those other games. And um, hopefully we'll get a chance to see that game soon. Um, Newton. Newton is in the top 10. This is a game... We uh, picked up at Gen Con, reviewed way, way back, right after Gen Con. Very enjoyable. I quite enjoy this game. I've gotten to the table a few times recently, and it seems to have some staying power as a the you know a Euro coming out of a con in America. It's, I was impressed. Gu Guang, which is formerly the Forbidden City, they had to change the name. Uh, this is a big old Euro. Very excited for this. It was on Kickstarter, and I did back it, so I am looking forward to getting a chance to playing it when it does finally hit um, Western Shores. There's an Andreas Stedding game. I think TC Minstrel like teamed up on this one, so maybe it was Deluxified. I don't yep. quite remember, um, but awesome. Yeah, no, I'm definitely looking forward to this game. Um, lots of different mechanics in here. Big, beautiful board. Fantastic artwork. A um, little bit of worker placement, I know, is what kind of got under my skin, so hopefully... Hopefully get a chance to play that one pretty soon. Blackout Hong Kong. We just talked about this not too long ago. New Alex Fister mm -hmm. game, right? Yeah, big fan of this. This looks great. Yep, always excited for those. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Chronicles of Crime. You mentioned this one not too long ago as well. This was 
we ch- we had a chance to play this like yes. a year ago. This was awesome. Really, right? really innovative mechanics using this like little little glass that kind of straps on, and it just looks like a lot like kind of like endless fun. It might be something like the next Time Stories. Yeah, I think so. I honestly think so. Um, and, and it seems like they're putting a lot of work into like the rollout and making sure people see that, which is awesome because I think it's a uh, the kind of game that can do well. Uh, Everdell. Uh, I finally got a chance to play this. I know you reviewed it yes. a couple months ago, but I finally got a chance to play it. Really, really like this game. Only downside, and it's such a minor downside, is there's a lot of text. It's very small on the card, and there's a lot of cards from the market, but nonetheless, it's just a really surprisingly good and kind of involved game. Yeah, yeah, it really worked nice. Uh, Queenbra continues to surprise. This game launched at Origins, and I, I really liked it. We both picked it up, played it a lot. It still hits the table. And it just, it was at the top, near the top of the list for Gen Con. It's now number three on the list for Essen. People are eating this game up. Teotihuacan, number two. Um, just got a copy of this in here. Had a chance to play it over the summer at the cons. And uh, it is a fantastic game that is impossible to describe in like 30 seconds. So I won't try, but um, you'll definitely enjoy it. It's uh, Daniel Tashini which he worked on a lot of our favorite games, lots and lots of dice manipulation types of games. So looking forward to talking about this in a couple of weeks once I've played it a few times, um, but not surprised to see it near the top of the list. And at the very, very top of the list, by no surprise at all, is the new version of Azul, the Stained Glass of Sintra. So I believe this was for sale there. So lots of people got to pick this up and try it out and hopefully... Hopefully it's good. I like Azul. I'm, I'm all up for a, a new version of it, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's taken a little bit from its kind of like brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sagrada. Sagrada. It's kind of the stained glass game. So I guess they wanted to get in on that action because that game was doing pretty well by itself, right? Yeah. So it's all about the abstracts. It's coming down <laughs> pretty hard. So I'm really looking forward to this game. Hopefully it adds something new that we haven't seen before because while abstracts are really fun to get to the table, they burn out pretty quickly. So it's definitely, definitely a welcome kind of addition to uh, the, the gaming library, to say the least. Absolutely. Yeah, so there you go, guys. It's kind of a quick run through of the top 30 or so games from the SM Buzz list. Um, skipping over a few we've already talked about. So much stuff here, and I kind of want to play almost all of it. So... <laughs> We'll see how many to get in in the next year before the next con. Yeah, so definitely check out our previous episodes. You can take a look at BoardGamersAnonymous.com. We have all of our episodes listed up there. And obviously, Anthony's done a fantastic job keeping our whole catalog online. So wherever you're listening to this, you can find all our episodes there. They're evergreen. They're always interesting and new, talking in depth about these games that are coming out the last couple of months. And you'll find more information about all these games that are recently released from Essen. And if that's not enough, you can join us on our Patreon account, patreon.com backslash BGA. There's a lot of great things that are going on, some extra episodes there for you. We talk more about these great games that are coming out from Essen, and hopefully they'll be getting out to your table soon. All right, Anthony, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you a seat at the table. <laughs>